Something approximating comedy. Is that a good byline for the podcast? Roughly Approximately comedy. comedy. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 252 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm trying to optimize the whole internet. I'm Sam and I got a robe in my lap. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is March 27th, 20 Blundy. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity on this show. So I hope you're into that because it's coming. We'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We've got a we got a new one Ooh. from from Alawakakamia, mm. which is I think it's a rumpus name potentially. I would guess. It's, it's on the verge. Yeah. So uh who says with all this going on in the world, I was very glad for your newest episode to come up. Thank you for adding positivity to our lives. So thank you very oh, much for that. Yeah, we're going to do we're going to try to do more of that by just pretending that nothing is happening in the mm-hmm. world. Also that just, is you know, how it's done. Just keep paying us. I'll keep being positive. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. Uh, as soon as the payment stops, though, oh, boy. Really <laughs> it comes It'll a, get comes so dark so mm-hmm. fast. Yep. All right. We'd also like to thank our recurring <laughs> supporters as well uh, for for helping us keep things light and not descend into madness. All right. Now let's talk about – What? Uh, let's talk about the fact that we've been working from home now for – uh, two, two, two weeks, weeks I yep. guess. Two weeks. Yeah. Yep. How you guys feeling? I feel pretty good about it. Honestly, I, yeah, I feel fine. My, this the the worst part of it is actually the podcast setup. That's true. Adam is literally talking <laughs> into a blanket, like I'm looking at. Oh, yeah, I've got, so, yeah, I've got my I've got a I've got a towel draped over my microphone to try to you know just dampen ambient noises, and then so my camera is up above, so you can just see the top half of my face above my nose, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's all you got. The rest is a yeah, towel. I'm, I'm down actually, the basement. No, actually, you guys look at it. It's a beard. It's a big <laughs> beard. It is. <laughs> that's very funny. Yes, that's yeah, in a basement. The other yep. thing that, that makes it rough is just the, uh, you know, half second of latency on everything, which mm-hmm. through, you know, we're, we're doing this through a discord video chat, which means, it's just you can never quite tell when it's okay to jump in and say something, you yep. know. Just can't, can't quite get there. Um, just like old times. How you guys feeling about the progression of of like how was it at, at the beginning starting this work from home thing, and how are you feeling now? Do you feel like it's been the same? Do you feel like it's gotten easier? I think For it's me, definitely gotten easier. Yeah. For yeah, me, it's actually been basically the same, um, but. Mostly because I went into it just with the expectation that it was going to suck, and so I went into it with a plan. And yes, and then it ended up being fine because I had a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, it was, it was the the original expectation was that it was going to be harder, and I'm pleasantly surprised that it is, is at least not harder. I don't think actually uh, doing the work from home thing than working in the studio. Um, yeah, I think there are some benefits. There are also some downsides, but it's actually kind of just the same but different. You know what I mean? Uh, which has been really nice. I'm, I'm really glad that we're fortunate enough to to have some have some gigs that we can just go be weirdos in our in our homes for and still be productive in that capacity. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, it was definitely the first couple of days. Uh, it was a bit of a difficult transition, but um, I don't know. I think it's like part of it's a mindset thing, part of it's a structure thing. And we talked last week about our our Discord setup. 
and how like every, every each of us has our little off quote office in Discord where we can do pop ins and stuff, which has been uh, super fantastic. You know, we're kicking off every day with a video chat uh, stand up. We one thing that we've been doing recently that I don't know if we've talked about on the podcast is this idea of a Friday town hall. Yeah, have we talked about it? I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe once or twice. I think so. we mentioned it. Yeah. So the idea is every Friday we get together, have lunch, and, and everybody goes around and talks about um, like what they're grateful for for the week, stuff that they're proud of that they did, things that they're excited about working on, um, plus a, an airing of grievances where it's mm-hmm. like you know if there's something that's been going on that's just really bothering you or. Um, something that you wish was different in terms of how we're doing things, then like that's the time to to bring it up. And so part of it is like just creating the space for that those kinds of conversations. And so uh, one thing that happened last week is we missed that. It was our mm-hmm. first week working from home and it was weird because uh, we've kind of gotten used to it and the week kind of just like ended. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> there was yeah, no yeah. There was no moment to reflect on – what had happened and what was coming. And it kind of felt weird coming into the weekend, just like without it. Yeah. It was, it was like the work week never actually had a real stop to it. Um, so this week we did like, we actually got on video chat and we had lunch together, mm-hmm. but like over video chat. Yep. So we're all just like eating snacks and stuff. And then everybody had their mics turned off while they were chewing, which is, you know, good. Important. But we also did a, uh, very importantly, you know, we wanted to do something kind of goofy and fun. So we started the butterscotch cribs, uh, you know, MTV cribs edition. So, uh, yeah, sure. Gave us a tour of his, of his digs. So we could, you know, kind of know what he's up to and stuff, which is very funny and very fun. Uh, walking around with the phone, you know, looking at stuff. Um, just a good time to kind of get some, again, more levity in the, in the life over here, which has been nice. Yeah. And of course we all have adapted our home spaces to be workspaces. So shares space in particular, um, sure, and Jordan are basically completely covered in devices yeah. because they've had to they've had to take home uh, dev kits and stuff so they can work on making builds and testing things. And so sure has several switches. He's got controllers everywhere. Xbox, you know, like you name it. He's, My favorite he one is had, he would like pull back. He'd pull back a blanket and there was an Xbox back there. And then he like we looked back behind. Yeah. Yeah. He had a laptop and then you look behind the laptop and the laptop is sitting on another laptop that is also on. It's, it's like a, and it's next to another laptop. Yeah. It was kind uh, of it was just a hilarious Russian nesting doll sort of situation. Which was kind of yeah. Funny. So normally at the office he actually has two desks. Um, that are just like covered, completely covered in devices. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of got things packed away there in his apartment. Um, so that's kind of cool to see. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just recognizing that the big challenge of of this work from home thing is the the overhead that comes with like coordinating meetings and talking to people because everything that you do is a little bit harder. Like it takes a little bit more planning and you have a tendency mm. to just focus on work. And yeah. so so now like when we do our morning stand-up, we actually just spend the first 10 minutes of stand-up just shooting the shit. Yep. Just, t- just talking about like whatever happened the night before. Um, and that's actually like a planned part of the meeting is to not talk about work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I think it's important. Yeah. Well, I think it's actually – there's, there's an interesting part of that where uh, where you know that it's there's some overhead and it's a little harder to do some things. But there's one thing that's actually I think a lot easier when it comes to collaboration, which is when we're in the office and you want to say, 
just run off with somebody to to chat through something um then you gotta like you have to decide should i go book a room you know should like get an office yeah. space somewhere uh, to go work in or can we just do it here in the middle of of the action because we're you know we're in an open floor plan which is a fancy thing to say for a six-person office but uh but with this we you just, room we all have private rooms right and so you can just it's just really really easy actually to to grab any random group of people and be and not bug other people when you do that yeah and isn't it the case that all the evidence about open office plans is that they do nothing to help actually they actively harm people's ability to get work done yes <laughs> yeah but i'm curious is there- I imagine that that the open floor plan comes along with other kinds of practices, you know, Um, because one of the things that we discovered that we talked about the past few episodes actually is uh, is that allowing ourselves to be interrupted is actually an important part of the collaborative experience, um, which you do get in an open office plan, right? But quite a lot, quite a lot, because if it's open office and there's you know sixty people in there and there aren't clear rules about what's okay to interrupt about it, what isn't. And, and if people have different ideas of the value of the work and that kind of stuff, I can see how that would very Spire rapidly. Out of control. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's no good. Uh, all right. Now, Sam, you wanted to talk about something really important. Well, two things. So I'll get the less okay. important one out first, which was uh, just some media recommendations. That's what these two things are. Okay. So since people okay. are mainly hanging people out trapped. at home. Yeah, you're trapped. You need something interesting to watch. Uh, I watched Knives Out with my wife a week ago-ish. And it's a whodunit, which is basically just short. A mystery. Uh, short way to say, yeah, it's, it's a mystery where someone gets murdered and it's like, who did it? You know all the suspects. You're kind of there to experience the detective story. Um, but the fun thing about it, I haven't seen one of these in a long time that struck this sort of tone where it's actually just fun. Like, yes, it's about murder, but it's just kind of fun. Yeah, it um, was just fun. Even though the characters are largely <laughs> unlikable, it was yeah. still just fun. It's just really it puts fun. That, it puts that fun, cheerful edge on murder. Weirdly, yeah, it does. And so there's a bunch of just hilarious scenes in this thing um, that were just absolutely incredible. And it's one of those very rare movies for me that that at the end of it, they like they do such a good job of looping ideas and content back from stuff you saw earlier, uh, which, of course, you might expect from like a mystery, but even like just really simple – pieces of the set and things that end up getting called to later, where if you're basically paying attention early on, then you'll get just like sort of a cascade of those like, oh, like those aha moments hmm. as you watch the film and as things are revealed. And so it's it's just Did you watch it for a second time? Because when, when Jen and I watched it right afterwards, we were like, we're going to have to watch this again now that we know what the story is mm. to see if we can like catch – Hints. All, all the hints, you know, towards what that was. Yeah, I love it, that shit. Yeah, it felt like a movie where they where they were very careful about the entire production and about layering things in and having like kind of hidden meaning and like the way that shots were done and stuff, you know. And I think, oh, yeah. I think there's probably a lot to unpack there. So tons of fun. And then number two is the Tiger King on Netflix, which mm-hmm. it just sort of popped up. Diana had a friend who told her, like, oh my god, you have to watch this. It is the zaniest thing, and it's a, what it is, it's a real-life documentary about real people who are the biggest characters. Like, they don't feel real because they're so absurd, every single one of them. Like, there's not there's How, not how confident are we? Is that verified? Like, is it, these are real people? Yes, real yes. There's, people? there's a lot of – basically, it ends up being a murder, like a murder and plot and twist thing. Um, 
hmm. about about basically the the exotic animal world in the U.S. Like people who buy tigers and like have their own zoos and stuff. And it is like I'm every episode. Diane and I just finish it, and we're just sort of like, "What?" Like the things, <laughs> the things that are happening. Every episode, you're like. How is this also happening? This was already <laughs> – it was already too much for the first 40 minutes and it just continues being too much. All right. Tiger King. We'll have to – we'll have to check that. You saying how is this also happening? I feel like is what a lot of people have been saying this year. Just kind of yeah. generally. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, which we're not going to get into. But, 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 but how is happening? And how is this all happening? <laughs> Anyways. Um Okay, so yeah, working from home is going well. We're uh, we're catching up on some media stuff. Sape and I started watching Altered Carbon last week. Super good. Did you wait starting show. season one or season started watching season two? Season one, yeah. Okay. We're, we're only a few episodes in, but man, that's a that's a crazy ass show. So yeah, if you're looking for uh, looking for some good stuff to watch, there you go. There are some options. Uh, okay, now let's talk about studio news, and then then we'll just get into some questions. Okay, so uh, where we're at with Levelhead is a, an interesting spot that I really want to take some time to kind of unpack. Let's uh, let's enter a dreamscape. Let's go back. Yeah. Let's go high in the sky to examine into the past, <laughs> <laughs> the sky of the past. Uh-huh. So you know. So to get, to give a sense of perspective of where we're at now, I think it's useful to kind of look back to a similar time which was a month before we launched. We probably should go back and listen to those podcast episodes. Mm, that'd be good. For yeah, you people. totally can. Cause we, I think the podcast was about six months old at that point. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be probably like episodes in the twenties to forties. Something like that. Yeah. Some, somewhere in that range. Something like that. Um, so we are uh, about five weeks away from launching Levelhead at the time of recording this episode. And it is so oddly calm. Uh, we're launching this thing on seven freaking platforms. Uh, we we now have things like uh, Apple sign in, Google sign in implemented. Um, so like we, we're getting all those things updated. We've got our mobile beta. I mean, we have long. yeah, we have one sign in per platform to make all of that work. Yeah, we've made yeah everything is native. Right. Everything's oh, native. Um, like you played on your Xbox, you just like bloop. You just log in with your Xbox account. Boom, you're you connected it to Rumpus. Everything is beautiful. Um, and then through our website, you can connect all of your accounts together. So you can just sign into each platform and carry the same account across, and it's just super slick. Um, we've been, of course, we've had this thing in early access since April of last year. So uh, we've been updating it just constantly this whole time. So it's very stable, and where we've kind of landed now is. Is as of this week, we have our gold build, so we have all of the final content in the game, including the last level. We've got the the campaign opened up. We've got the tutorial done. Uh, we're waiting for localization, but otherwise, uh, it's just now like bug fixes and optimizations. So we're not adding any new features. And uh, if we compare this to where we were at for Crashlands, at this time we were we were chewing through several thousand bug reports. From our beta, um, which which was going until four weeks before launch, and we were working like 60, 70 hours a week trying to stay on top of those things. And we were adding new features like daily 
yeah. to try to to try to deal with some of the problems that came up at the last minute during the beta. And uh, it's just such an interesting contrast now for yeah. like how, how our our pivot toward uh, toward DevOps and and trying to get to those uh, continuous deployments and having uh, a really really intense focus on testing. How that has just it's made the, I, I can't I can't even express how different this feels. Like we're yeah. five, we're five weeks to launch and everything is just like right well, I th- there. Like I it's think the difference is it, ready it, to go. it feels like it feels like when you are actually finished with something for real. Yeah, instead of just punting it out the door. <laughs> yes, it's it's like yeah, if you if you were preparing a talk and you knew you were well prepared and you had written the script and everything and just like the week before the talk, you knew. You practice. You got nothing it. to do. You got nothing to do. Yeah. You All you had to do. So everything's um, ready. Yeah. And you just practice like once or twice casually before you actually finally yeah. gave it. All you, you already do practiced it. Yeah. Because you already practiced it a thousand times before that. So it's just. Yeah. And we know like chill. Adam's been Adam's been uh, you know, like making an army of robot players in the numbering in the hundreds of thousands who are like attacking our server to test things. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so far. They're very successfully attacking it, so I still got. I still, yeah, yeah. None of this is to say we don't still have our work cut out for us. It's no, we still got a lot of work to do, but but we know what it is. Yeah, we know what it is. It feels pretty chill, and there's not that much uh, left. And so, so yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know what else there is to say other than that it's just kind of an interesting note. Well, I think the, the that, main that this interesting point to. is the fact that because of where we're at in production, we actually have to stop production on the game uh, in many ways. And so as far as this whole – Production of, of new features. Yeah. I mean Butterscotch, I feel like as a studio, is sort of feature creep the studio, right? I mean this was a joke that one of the press people uh, from Touch Arcade threw at us back in, before Crashlands came out because every time we were like, oh, it's almost done. And then be like, but we just added all the stuff. And he's like, how is it almost done? And how did <laughs> uh-huh. you guys do that? Uh, so yeah, I mean that's, that's sort of a thing we do. And so to be in a state where we're just not doing that and instead focusing on everything else uh, I think just feels really good. Uh, because it's yeah. sort of it's it's tying up all the loose ends that are created by jamming features into a game for two years straight. Yeah, uh, and so being able to plan, and we're we're mostly doing this because we had to plan for this because we have to go through cert, we have to get localized, uh, we have to have this cross-platform launch simultaneously where everything has to go off without a hitch. So there's so much that has to happen that we kind of had no choice but to make sure that we had the last several weeks, like ideally an entire month, which is basically where we ended up. Uh, that we're basically just kind of just tying all the loose ends up, but in a fairly calm way, you know. Um, but uh, I think the important takeaway from this is that this is the even without all those things, this would still be the ideal way to to do it. We're part of the part of the development and production plan is that last piece, that last fairly chill piece where everything is is basically done and everything is just kind of getting. Quickly and like accurately wrapped up, but under low amounts of pressure. Yeah. Just think, think about the, think about the normal approach that uh, game studios take at this point, which is they plan to be crunching their whole team for the entire six months leading up to launch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Which means like right up to the last minute, People are putting in hundred-hour weeks, just jamming in as many features and as many bug fixes as they as they can. Um, which I, I got to talk about that in my uh, GDC talk, which isn't up on YouTube yet. So I may need to send some emails. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, yeah, this is – it's been interesting because we have very deliberately and purposely taken the opposite approach where we said we should not have anything to do the week before launch Yeah, because it's, la- it's launch week. The game is supposed to be done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So – We should be doing 100 percent marketing efforts and that's it. Yeah. And even those and should actually largely be done before. Yeah, they should be done. It's just starts. like yeah, it should just, just be pushing a couple buttons. Yeah, pulling just, triggers basically yeah. is what should happen on launch week. Yeah, and so I'm 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 just I I just want to share with uh you know our our listeners and you guys just how relieved I am that we have actually managed to get to this point. Um, we made especially, it, especially in contrast to just how how things used to be. So I'm excited about it. It's gonna go, I think it's just gonna go super well. And I'm even more excited to see what the next game ends up looking like. I at this can't point. even imagine it. Because yeah. ideally, ideally, we get to that point and we look back at the level head launch and we're like, man, I can't believe how how badly we did it back then. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, the nice we should always we'll be improving say, enough. Yeah, even at that point, you know? even though we'll look back and be like, oh, we didn't do a good job, we'll still be able to say, but it was a great time. You know? Yes, which is ideal. Yep. Uh, yeah, so that's going super well. And then we've also had uh, uh, players testing the the mobile version of Levelhead, which is going very well. We got what, um, a, like 100 testers or something? Uh, we invited 140, but that's split between Apple and and uh, Android. So, um, but yeah, it's going very well. We're getting some good feedback and we've gotten to test the tutorial, which also went very well. So overall, I mean, it's like we said, Things are just kind of yeah. We got it all done, snapping uh, into place. Well, I guess importantly though, if you look at our uh, priorities board and stuff, we didn't get all of it done. Uh, there's about forty things that we cut um, <laughs> in order to be this uh, chill. Yeah. You well, there's I mean? also still yep. a bunch of stuff. <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff that we still hope that we will do, um, but that we also know we may not, and that's just okay. Um, yeah. The thing we didn't get around to was the dislike button. Oh yeah. Yeah, so people can't dislike levels. Yeah, that one. So, yeah, there, there we'll, are we'll get that like, in there. Yeah, like I really wish we had, but I, but I, I understand that it's fine. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just it's fine. been fine this whole time, so it'll be fine later too. Uh, well, do you guys the, have any other the thing about on scale? That? Yeah, the only thing that I'm worried about at all for all of this stuff is just the impact of scale, because because uh, scale is a is a weird nonlinear thing, you know, where everything can be fine at at some point and you you can think like well if it's fine now and i just have like a hundred times this or a thousand times this or whatever i can just be a thousand times worse right yeah right exactly (laughs) and and uh and that's actually true in a lot of cases but sometimes so depending a million times worse. yeah exactly (laughs) depending on how you design your systems ideally as as scale goes up everything everything actually remains flat right so this is like that, that big O notation, this is just a, it's a one, right? It doesn't change no matter what is happening. Um, so that so that if we have a huge influx of players, it actually changes nothing about what we're doing. So that's the ideal scenario. That's not what's going to happen, but that's no, the ideal scenario. I mean, this is the thing. Is like the things that will be on fire on lunch day are the things that we know will be on fire because of this problem, like the scale question, right? Yep. Which is going to be web infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Obviously, will be an interesting rodeo. On yep. that day, but we will be walking into it having been as prepared as we possibly could be. Yeah, for the situation, even we've been talking to Mongo DB, the database provider who we use. We've been talking to Amazon. Mm-hmm. We have everybody is trying to help us, uh, and we're we're yep. requesting 
and we were trying to get help. <laughs> yeah, and, and services and everything were like, please look at this because we need this to stand up when possibly 100,000 people are using it. Yeah. And it's been fast. And it is on launch day. I'm going to – no matter how confident I am that a, that a particular scale is going to be fine, I'm literally going to 10 exit. That is just what's going to happen. Yep, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw resources at it and then scale it back if it turns out we didn't need it because the last thing I want is for a huge rush of excited players to be piling into the game and the first thing you get confronted with is a login screen that doesn't work. That doesn't work. <laughs> and then, the worst. yeah, just it would be so bad. So that's yeah. my now, that is my one remaining fear with the launch. I also want to talk a little bit about this interesting question of advertising. Oh, yeah. Because we did it. Um, so in the past, we've talked about things like going to conventions. So like we took crashes to PAX. We went to the PAX 10 and we were looking at the numbers and it's like, oh, my God, there's 80,000 people at this convention, right? And so uh, we're going to have so many people see our game. There's going to be some press there. There's going to be all this stuff. Um, and so we went and we were able to run, what, uh, a few hundred people, I think. 350. Yeah, through the through the demo, <clears throat> and I think I mean, we got that was a lot. That's a, that was for Crashlands, which is you know a single player. It was like long, a ten minute demo. Yeah, so like that was yeah. a it was a very busy time. Yeah, so we ran we ran a lot of people through the demo. Um, when we looked at our presence on uh, like gaming press, and uh, when we looked at the impact on sales and everything, there just wasn't one. Yeah, there wasn't I one think, that we could see. I think one thing that happened was uh, I think Total Biscuit talked about it. Yep. Yeah, afterwards, him, which is fun. and that that gave a little bump. Um, but it was a hugely time-consuming event. Uh, putting together the booths, going there, spending several days there. Of course, at least one of us got sick because you know going to a convention. Yeah, were, um, were we there with three of us? Four, four of us? Four, four of, of us, us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So of course we have to get hotel for that. We have to spend all this money flying there and on food and, and all that stuff. So you know, bringing four people to a convention it, it costs you thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, but but now we're looking at this uh, impact of advertising with like we we are doing ad spend on our release trailer, and the difference is pretty startling in terms of how far the money goes. Yeah. Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, in in the sense that advertising is clearly so much more cost. Although we should also say that that's not always true because we also tried Facebook advertising, which and we, that did nothing. Which I think we've yeah. probably talked about, but we tried that for the early access launch, and that was that also had a literally unmeasurable impact. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so of course it's a, it's very possible to do advertising badly or in the wrong place or, or in the wrong place. Wrong yeah. Platform. Yeah. I think I think in the wrong place in that scenario. <laughs> Yeah, um, but the interesting thing about this is is uh, and and we'll we'll be doing more of that as we lead up to the launch. But um, the interesting thing about that is, of course, it generates views on our release trailer, right? Which now, as we send the trailer to press, uh, you know, closer to launch, now all of a sudden we have this trailer that has a shit ton of views on it. Yeah, right. Which looks really good, and it makes it more likely that people will cover, which actually makes it more possible for us to get press and and uh, streamers and other kinds of things because now there's a publicly visible permanent record of us having had uh, 400,000 people see our trailer, right? Yeah. yeah. And so when we took it to PAX, it was this like a uh, transient event where we went, we were there and we left and it was as if it never happened. 
There yeah. was no yeah. lasting indicator uh, that we could use other than just like a badge that said we were in the PAX 10, right? Yeah. And that so, said, though, I mean, I think the the interesting value of those conventions and stuff uh, has always actually been in the networking part of it. It's the person-to-person interactions. Yeah. Uh, which you still – like you can't you can't get that through advertising, right? It's not a thing. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. No, you so don't, you don't to, meet other developers while you're advertising. But, but yeah, yeah. The, well, this, this, is the, this is the important note is that many developers who we who – we, speak to and, and ourselves included, you know, back at that time, thought of conventions as a form of advertising, as a form of getting the word out about your game. Mm-hmm. And I just I just genuinely now don't really think that that's what they're for. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think that's true. Uh so anyways, it's uh it's been an interesting lesson. I, I'm sure we'll have a lot more stuff to, to say about that as we get to the launch because we're gonna be doing uh more work on ads. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's get on to questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. First question comes from Dangerbox, who says, okay. not a question, but a statement of thanks. I was just able to listen to episode 250, and I want to say I appreciate you guys. I would be doing this over on Money Grab, but I, like a bunch of other people, lost my job because of uh. this nonsense, and I don't think I've laughed as genuinely as I did listening to the intro since I found out I was losing my job. All that... To say thank you and please don't stop being funny. Stay safe. So, well, thanks a bunch. Sorry for this nonsense hitting you, but I'm glad we could provide at least some hour of roughly comedy for you to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Something approximately comedy. Is that a good byline for the podcast? Roughly approximately comedy. comedy. Yeah. So this is this is tough because we've as much as we want to talk about all of this uh, fucked up shit that's going on, <laughs> I but, think yeah, is the term. I think that's the term. Um, We're not doing it I, here. Yeah, I, I think it's better that. for us to just, uh, I mean, I, yeah, to just try to provide a, a place where people can just get the hell away from it, which yep. actually we kind of view as our job generally. Yeah, right? that's, that's what our entire business is for. Yeah, and and I, and I will say I think it's, this is just a good moment to say that um, you know we, we know that a lot of people are kind of st- stuck right now, and one of the things that they that they uh, get to lean on is is using video games as a form of of entertainment and also escape and just a way to kind of like lighten the load of stuff that's going on in their lives. And when we launched Crashlands, we actually got a lot of letters from people. Um, about this very thing, you know, people who were kind of going through some some tough stuff, and they got to go into woe nope and uh, mm-hmm. just chill the fuck out, you know. And it's like a lighthearted thing; it's full of jokes, it's colorful, and so uh, we very much view that as as our role in in the world. Um, so we will yeah, just man. keep on keeping on. Yeah, there's never been a more important time for it, you know. I my I think I'm so happy about Levelhead is the fact that also it's fully translated. Yeah. So we and this is everything that everyone's going through is happening worldwide. So this is the first time we'll be able to to assist on that scale, which I'm very excited about. Uh, yeah, people some joy. It's gonna be it's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Next question comes from Beaky Bapa Boop. Are you recording podcasts in advance just in case? So there's a good chance we're gonna get a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just keep, we'll just keep it light, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, we're not recording podcasts in advance. 
at the moment. Well, I mean, we are because we're recording this on Friday and it comes out on Wednesday. So well, I yes. guess we always record podcasts in advance in the yeah. sense that we don't record them at the time after we, we publish. <laughs> we we were talking about like I actually kind of want once, once we were trapped at home anyway, so we're going to have to go through you know VoIP and video and all that stuff. I really wanted to actually do it live because I thought it'd be really fun to to add that kind of vibe to it. But then the moment we actually had to sit down and put our setups together, where I just had this like fucking towel in front of my face, and you know, <laughs> I've uh, got this really terrible this, webcam. Yeah, this terrible on. webcam. And it's like it, you know, uh, you know, the like when you turn on your uh, your phone camera and it's like down, and you're yep. looking up at yourself in like the least flattering angle physically possible. Yeah, and somehow, That's somehow, your head is, is like a, it's like an inverted cone shape somehow. Yeah, yeah. That's how my webcam is right yeah. now. <laughs> Plus the yeah. giant microphone sticking into my face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is something I think would be fun, but it, it clearly requires like a, a legit proper setup of some sort. Well, I will say that the, the nice thing about what's going on right now is that I feel like everyone's everyone's sensibility around this stuff is a bit more relaxed. So I feel yeah. like you know if you watch the Daily Show and it's like recorded in Trevor Noah's like living room, you in mean a the, you mean the, the Daily Social Distancing Show as it's yes. now called? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I think I think people were chill. I'm wearing like a fitness shirt now because it was hot today, and I'm in like yeah, I got a huge robe in front of me. You can't see it. Luckily, it's off screen. Uh, I probably look actually the most put together of the three of us here. Adam's close, but that towel in front of your face. No way, man! I got me. my I got my studio jacket on. You do. You also have air ducts, exposed walls, and don't worry about tiles. that. Piles. <laughs> don't, don't look back there. Yeah, that Don't could be something it. we do if people are interested. It might be fun just to try one time anyways, just to be goofy yeah. about it. Uh, yeah, and one of the other things that's going to, I think, be interesting about uh, how this all kind of shakes out is is seeing how people view work from home overall in terms of uh, in terms of like the technology. So, for example, Adam just dropped out of Discord. <laughs> like, while did, we yeah, did, did you guys just ignore it? Because that was what I was hoping. Yeah, for. don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I, as Sam was talking, it was I, I was hearing like one out of every like ten words, and it's like kind of garbled way. And I was like, oh god, Discord just can't keep it's up. Coming. So I had to reboot. Yeah. So that's another interesting conundrum of like if we wanted to broadcast these live. Um, because yeah, of course we, we edit those, it. we edit those things out. Which actually, last episode Discord crashed three times <laughs> during yeah. the podcast. Yeah. Uh, which I'm, I'm sure Patrick did a phenomenal job of catching those and chopping mm-hmm. them out. But uh, of course, if it's live, you don't you don't get that. Um, but also, people are yeah, more tolerant. as far as mm-hmm. as far as recording stuff in advance. No, yeah, we generally only do that if uh, if we know that some chunk of the three of us is going to be gone for a trip or something like that. So since we're all just staying at home, we are not no going anywhere. Yeah. Going nowhere. No, I, yeah, I talked to Sampi and I'm like, my plan is to not leave the house more than once per two weeks. When you say not leave the house, do you mean literally not leave the house or just not go to other places? I'm going on walks, uh, yeah. but that's all. Yep. Yeah. Um, Good way to be. And if I see a person, I I scream like a machine <laughs> and I just sprint the other direction. So, you know, in zombie movies, when uh, there's those running zombies that are fast and run at you. Yep. You it's like that, opposite. but it's the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yeah. Anytime people see each other, they scream and sprint away from each other at maximum speed. 
great. Um, yeah, we haven't. I, yeah, what I'm a curious strange when, world we live in. Right. I'm curious when that'll start <laughs> happening, and that's that what human interaction starts to look like. Is you know, you go in for the handshake, and then instead the other person literally runs away screaming, and that's the mm-hmm. that's honestly handshakes. Handshakes were a bad fucking idea. Yeah, they needed to go. You know, they needed to go, and I'm glad they're gone. They're like, now take that thing that you rub all over everything and your own face, and rub it on mine. You know, I just need to get my grime on your grime, yeah. get it in your eyes later. That's what I want. Yeah, and then of course we're all like touching our phones, and then we're like snacking on things. And but I think that's stuff. why that's why a handshake was such an important thing because it's like I'm risking my entire life by shaking your yeah. hand. I don't. Right now. I don't know if that but was think, the original. I, I know. I think it is. <laughs> I, think, I think the origin of it was to like demonstrate that you're not holding on to your sword or something. Yes, that's shit, actually you know? what it was. So, so it sort of is the same. Yeah. Well, maybe instead it should be a loving caress on the person's cheek with the back of your hand. <laughs> I mean, that I was, that's uh, a good way to show. Back of your hand, though. Your ha- back of your hand is front. much more sanitary than the, the palm or the, you know, finger part. But it probably won't be once you start rubbing everybody's face. You know what I mean? I've also, I've also seen people do the, uh, the, foot, the foot kick five move, which is pretty cool. Ooh. See this one? It's like you get – you basically take your right leg and you kind of like swing it in and then you both like clap your shins? insides of your of your uh, feet. Oh, oh. Yeah. That seems and it's cool because like if a, people are wearing boots or something, then it's like clunk and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, but if so, one yeah. person is wearing like flip-flops Eels. and that person's wearing like armor-plated boots, that's, you know. If you well, that's some, how you win. That's how you win. That's, that's the, okay, here's the thing. You ever handshake some one of these ding dongs who's like, who's like, like I read once that you need to crush a man. <laughs> yeah. The way you hand. the way you demonstrate your your power in a handshake is by decimating your other person's bones. Mm-hmm. So this is just that now, but it's just now like you're wearing steel plated shoes, and that's how you land a business deal. Because when one. you when you kick feet. If the other person's <laughs> if the other person the other still person has feet, then. if the other person is hospitalized, then you've you win, you win at business. Mm-hmm. Yep. contract right. signed. Yeah, you've asserted your uh, your business dominance. <laughs> business dominance. <laughs> I will say on the theme of the zombie field, though, the one thing I didn't notice because of course everyone's out walking around now, and so but also trying to avoid each other. And so my wife and I live in a, in a neighborhood that's got quite a bunch of houses in it, of course, and pretty packed together. And so we go out walking around and every so often we'll be heading down the street and then someone will like come out of an alley and then start walking <laughs> towards us. And we're like, oh God. And we, so we cross the street, but then there's, now there's someone else there. And then you turn around, there's like a pack of people. And it feels like a being in a zombie movie. Where you can like, just walk down the middle of the street because there's no, there's no, there's there's no, no cars, cars out there. I did see someone yeah. longboarding down our street, which I have never seen. Oh. Uh, and I was like, now's the time because there are no cars. You could take a longboard, just go like 40 down some of these You know what roads. this reminds me of? How like uh, – I saw a picture in Colorado of like a mountain lion in somebody's front yard because like – They're returning. The mountain lions are like, all right, fine. I guess, guess this I guess is, mine is now. ours now. <laughs> uh, nobody's going to stop them. I saw a picture of somebody like they haven't, they haven't moved their car from the parking lot in two weeks and there's a fucking bird built a nest on their rearview mirror. <laughs> And then uh, Sampi uh, was getting videos sent from her family in uh, Mumbai, and there's uh, there's this big stretch called Marine Drive, which normally has like a million people just hanging out on it. It's like a, a waterfront area. And probably no literally boat. a million people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no boats there. There's no people. And if you look out, there's just dolphins just like fucking jumping out of the water. 
there. Like nobody's ever seen a dolphin there <laughs> in the history of this city. <laughs> so now you've got like the mountain lions are coming back. The dolphins are coming back. The longboarders are coming back. Like all, of na- <laughs> all of nature is reclaiming. <laughs> all of our rare, beautiful species. Mm-hmm. What happens when the longboarders overpopulate, though? Because no, they, don't, gotta, they don't have any natural predators anymore. Well, that's when the shortboarders come in and fuck them up. You know? <laughs> the but shortboarders. The, the shortboarders. They're an invasive species. From the shortboarders just uh, – yeah, you got to be careful with the shortboarders. Yeah, they're real dangerous. There's that, that whole woman who followed a, a fly kind of situation. You know, you're going to keep mm-hmm. on putting the bigger thing in there, but then what? Yeah, then the wide borders come in, and then that's a whole other thing. And then you get the one wheel people, uh, and they come in and take out the wide borders. Oh man, it's just a bloodbath. The whole yeah. the whole board, <laughs> you know, the whole board chain is just destroyed very quickly yeah. by introducing it's a real problem. species. Yeah. It's a real problem, but you know, one that as humans. Um, you know, introducing invasive species into the incorrect habitat is – we're pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I figure true. if we do it enough, if we do it enough, we'll figure out the, the right balance. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? For sure. You just got to keep reintroducing different counterbalancing invasive species. That's, that's it, right? That's it. Yeah. yeah that's all you do. That's all you do. Our next question comes from Undergordy Rompfush. Definitely How? a rumpus name, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 100%. Or it's just their regular name and now they're upset. Uh, <laughs> uh, under Gordy Rompfush says, how do you balance studying and learning new things for your job with doing relaxing activities? I'm a programmer, but I've always found it difficult to study outside of work, even though I love my job and the field. After a day of programming at work, I don't particularly want to study programming when I get home, but I feel guilty when spending time relaxing playing video games. Any tips? The tip is that stop feeling guilty because relaxing after work is a, a very reasonable and, and proper thing to do. So that's tip one. Tip two, don't study. Okay? Studying is boring. That's true. Mm-hmm. What you do instead is come up with a project. Got to have oh, a side yeah. project. Have a question. You're a programmer. That you're curious means about. you like to build shit. You like to make things. You like to make stuff do stuff. What do you want to okay. make stuff do? Studying is, you know, you're taking a prepackaged sort of like a set of ideas and you're just trying to – Well, you're you're taking what somebody else wanted to do and then you're doing that, which is always less good than doing what you want to do. Yeah. So so think like I want to learn JavaScript. Come up with some dumb program you want to make that does something. Yeah, well, and, the question is, what what could you do where if it was your project you were working on that inadvertently teaches you how to code? Yeah, that's yeah. The, that, that's the dream. Yeah, that the thing you picked is so exciting that you'll get up a little early before work to like squeeze a couple lines in, you know, yeah. before you get cracking. Yeah, and because and so if it's all, if it's about fun first and learning second, then that's how you get there. That's the only way I do. I can't. Yeah, studying is. Uh, the worst. It implies yeah, that genuinely. I I through. tried to learn how to program. I've talked about this in the past. I had stacks of programming books that I was quote studying for years when I was in college, and I could not figure out how to program. Uh, and then I got Game Maker, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna make this dumb game." I have a game. I actually found it in Dropbox. It's from like end of September, early October, 2010. It's the first thing I ever made in Game Maker. It's Ten called, years ago. It's called Dragon Bearzilla. Oh, I remember and, that. And, and genuinely, all you can do in this game is you, you've got this. Uh, it's, I think the game is is uh, like two hundred by two hundred pixels for some reason. For some reason, I felt like that was the right size to make the whole screen. Probably you and, couldn't figure out how to do it any other. I probably couldn't figure out how to change yeah. the screen size. And then I I used Photoshop and I 
when I imported the sprites, they came with this fucked up white sort of like crusty artifacting around <laughs> that outside. But I was like, I don't know. I don't know Why? how to make that Why not that be hair? there. Yeah. So it's just in there. Uh, and then, and then you are a uh, flying Godzilla sized dragon bear. Uh, you can press WASD to move around in the air, but not, you can't press WAS or D at the same time. Oh, it oh. only recognizes one mm. key. And then, <laughs> and then you press space bar to shoot fireballs out of your mouth at buildings. Okay. There's three buildings. Uh, and they die in one shot because I couldn't figure out how to do health bars. And, <laughs> and also the fireballs just come out at a continuous stream at a very specific angle because I couldn't figure out how to make the dragon bear Zilla. It sounds like the rotate. lesson here is also lower your standards. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the th- Definitely. And also I was like, I don't really know what to do about music or sound. So I found a MIDI song of Under Pressure by Queen. <laughs> <laughs> And so that's playing in there. I love this. And, uh, and I only could find one usable sound effect, which is just like a really fucking loud bang noise. <laughs> so that's the, that's the sound that it makes when you hit the buildings with the fireballs. Uh, um, and, <laughs> and every time you shoot a building, your score goes up, even if the building has already been destroyed. Yeah. Uh, so, nice. so it's probably the – one of the worst things I've ever made. I mean, I hope so, given that description. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but uh, it it got me down. It's got me started, you know? Yeah, I think that the trick with a lot of this is- It was fun. This was just fun to, to work on. Yeah, it's, it's finding finding something that would just be fun to work on. And then ideally, sometimes the starting part is actually the worst part. It's just hard to get that. You can, you can say like, oh, yeah, I want to build a- you know, something that, that talks to the Internet of Things, and maybe I want to build a thing that like waters my plant every day, something weird and dumb like that. Um, but uh, still, like to actually get to the point where it's fun because you know enough about it, oftentimes takes a couple of hours of actual not studying, but just you know that sort of initial kind of looking around, being confused, and you got to stick with it, almost like playing a video game, right? Like the first couple, of, the first bit of playing any game is always learning, and it's always frustrating. Like no matter what, no matter what. And yeah, because so, you suck. Yeah, you're gonna you build, suck. You're going to build a bad thing. Yeah. And so you got to figure out how to overcome that. So for me, the the strategy there is is stuff like that Focusmate application we've talked about, where it's like if you just know – if you say, okay, you know what you know what I want to do is I want to work on this JavaScript project or this programming thing. I want to learn this thing. Uh, and you've designed a project. You're like, okay, it would be cool to build an algorithm that does this. and But I don't know how to do any of it. So now your problem is just to figure out how to get yourself to sit the fuck down for the amount of time it takes to make the project fun, which sometimes that is a, a thing. And so using something like Focusmate, where now you have to show up because someone else is requiring you to show up, uh, even for your projects that are these, uh, as you've, you've said, sort of a thing you want you want to opt into, can make it really work. I mean, there's there's literally never been a time where I have rushed home to do something as far as like basically stretching my own skills or learning or studying, uh, aside from what I've been using Focusmate. I was in the middle of a conversation at like a networking event, realized it was 5.53, and I had a Focusmate session at 6. You had an appointment. I had an appointment with myself, actually, to do the thing I wanted to do, right? And then I blazed home as you know as effectively as I could, obeying traffic laws, and then ran upstairs, booted up my you computer. blazed home at normal speed. At normal speed. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it was intense, you know? And like, and I was, I ran in the door, Diana was like, what's going on? And I was like, I have my session. She was like, oh God. And then I just sprinted upstairs and like powered everything up and hopped right in and the person popped up and I acted like nothing happened. Uh, and it felt amazing because I was like, I was sprinting home to show up for myself for this weird thing. I kind of wanted to show up for yourself. Yeah. Yes. So I think that the trick becomes how to trick yourself or how to, again, create structures. We talk about this a lot, but like you, you shouldn't blame yourself for not being able to do this miraculously because studying no sucks. Can. It's boring. These things suck. So you got stupid. The thing you blame yourself for is for not, uh, not having the structures in place. You know, you'd be like, oh. Yeah, because that's, that's totally your fault, definitely. Yeah, yeah totally your fault. Yeah, but you, you can yeah, figure you that out. fuck that one up. Fucking <laughs> 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 real good. Schedule some time, get a focus mate session going, close your door, work on it for an hour or two. There is a strategy that I like to use when I want to learn something new because of how sucky the first part is and how endless it feels and it feels like – it just feels like you don't make any progress for a long time, you know, which is yeah, to – more of a step function situation. Yeah, so I like to just – be aware of that and therefore try to get past the first step as aggressively as possible. So I'll set aside a weekend or in some cases like an entire holiday break or something and just say, I'm going to fucking do like – so like the last time I did this like really aggressively was when I needed to learn uh, – when I, when I wanted to change our tech stack from what used to be Bscotch ID to what is now Rumpus. And so I did – I spent – a few hours a day basically like for a few weeks before that, just kind of researching stuff, trying to figure out what even I should be learning in the first place. And then once I knew what I wanted to do and had a few candidates, so there was like MongoDB and then uh, Docker and then these different front-end things like Vue versus React, uh, then I just sat down. I just made a plan for that entire week of Thanksgiving break to just read books and watch Udemy courses on all these topics the whole fucking time. So I did two 40-hour courses and then uh also read i think two different books um, during my break um because i wanted to get past that that initial part where i knew nothing and had no the, idea like what analogy, anything was yeah the analogy that we've used a lot for this is um for this approach is the like throwing marbles at a at a jar analogy yeah or, it's, or like, it's drinking from a fire hose, right? You're just like you just yeah. blast yourself in the face with it, and then you just. The fact is, like you're getting a drink. Yeah, you know, you're also getting a traumatic brain injury. <laughs> like, but you got some water in there. Yeah, too. yeah. and it is, so. I mean, it is the case with this approach that that you have to you have to understand what the outcome because the outcome is not that you're like now an expert at that thing because you studied so much of it. It's that now you have a good sort of global view of what it is that's even happening and what you're trying to do and what the terms are and what the technology is and, and where to find help. And like you, you get a, this nice big overview of what the problem is. Um, you will find that the moment you sit down and try to work on your own project after doing that, that yeah, you're like, no idea what to do. Yeah, you're like, uh, I don't even know how to start. Um, <laughs> but, but you know where to, where, well, you know what to ask. Exactly. Now. You know what to ask you so. and you know where the resources are. So I found that that is for me when I, when I truly like deeply care about something and want to get into it. Um, that, that for me, this is, that's the only approach that works. Yes. So there you go. There's some, there's some options, project focus, study a bunch of shit in advance and then, and then make a project yeah, or then, just and then still make a project at that point. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. Or play video games, but you got to make a project. That's, that's definitely the thing. Yeah, or hard. like Adam said, just don't and just play video games. <laughs> as, as we were talking about this, I was thinking how I was thinking about just like weird side projects. It's something that I want. That, that I won't do, but love the idea of doing is having, having a face, like figuring out face recognition, you know, but doing it for cats, specifically my two cats so that 
because right now we have to feed them separately and like and kind of wrangle them because because that they don't understand food sharing and eating at mm-hmm. proper speeds mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And so it would be pretty fun if I had a face recognition device, <laughs> you know, that for would like cats. for cat for the cats that would then. It would only let them into like I don't know like a carrier or something where their food is I don't know but like it would only let them in if it was the right cat. I like the idea of awesome. of if it was a food bowl and if the wrong cat started eating then a little hand would come out and just like slowly, slowly push, push their, it away push their face. <laughs> over the bowl. I love yeah I think this solving problems that don't need to be solved is also a very fun way to approach. It's honestly the thing. best way to approach it. Solving because it's solving problems that don't have a timeline that don't need well, to be you, solved. They're you just stay strictly in the domain of play, yeah. which is where it's best to learn stuff because you're more open for it. Yeah. What are the codes. stakes? If you if you fuck it up, okay. Like the world ended up not having a useless thing added to it, so yep. it's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. We got next next uh, question is actually a pair of questions which are interrelated. All right. So first one comes from Fly Hoppy Axe Rampa. Do you guys ever assign the team a game to play? I started building an RTS game, and I've been watching gameplay of different RTS games on YouTube, but I feel like I need to play some of them. I know you downloaded a few mobile platformers when you started building Levelhead. Any any other games you played to help build Levelhead? And then the next question is from Butterscotch Atheist. I recently paid a visit to a college with a whole program dedicated to games, the University of Utah. Among their programs of motion capture, asset design, and systems development was game design. An assignment they have in that class is assigned gaming to learn good design principles. If you made the curriculum, what would your assigned games be? Not favorite games, just games you can learn good design from. Mm. Well, I think to the to the first question, as far as like, do we ever assign a particular game to play? We do when we do our together this afternoon, where we're like, all right, everybody, buckle up a dinosaur because we're gonna go do Ark for this afternoon. Yeah, uh, yeah. So also, we though. have in the past on occasion been like, but it, it's not usually the whole team though, because it's it's particularly Sam and Seth because we're like. You guys are responsible for designing this this game, so make sure that we know what these games are like and what the landscape looks like for our competition. Yeah. Um, and the rest of the team will just sometimes hop in on that, um, but not it's it's not like a global kind of assignment. Um, I think with Mario Maker, I think we all played Mario Maker. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've, I've watched a bunch of videos on it, and then I played it actually for the first time when we did our new player experience testing because I was like, how do they do it? And then I was like... Not as they good don't. as we're going to do it. So yeah, it was it was very easy. So I, I'm actually I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take this question in a different direction. Go. Okay, I think I think learning good game design uh, isn't something that you need good games to do. So I wouldn't I wouldn't like pick out a handful of games and be like, look at these games because they did a great job. I think learning uh, learning good game design principles is more about understanding yourself. Mm. Okay. Okay. Because because what you need to do is play any game, just any game at all, and be able to understand what both what the game is doing and how that's making you feel. Right, mm. and how that's making you um, act. How that's making you act, and it's, it's essentially it's. It's not learning the skill of game design. It's learning the skill of separating um, your sort of like analytical mind from your having fun mind and being able to to 
So like take a critical look at how things are affecting you because you can learn and some sometimes you can learn more from shitty games <laughs> than you Truly. can from good games. Yeah, because yeah. um, the question is, the, why is it shitty? And that leads you exactly. It leads you to good design, right? So, so, so the thing about good design, good design is largely invisible. Like you don't notice it yes. unless you're trying to unless you're trying to notice it. And so it, it is, I think, probably easier to play bad games and learn from those. Yeah. So when it comes to that, I would say just play a diversity of games. Don't don't worry about whether they're good or bad at, in terms of like when you get them. Just look at what they're doing and and try to think about about based on on how you feel about the game whether or not they're doing things right for you. Right? I think yeah. a good example and, and why of this, that would be the case. I think a good example of this is RimWorld. Um because yes. the reason that I bought it was because I was baffled. I was baffled looking at it from from, from a from just a, <laughs> a design from the appearance side standpoint. Um I couldn't understand how it was so overwhelmingly loved and by such a huge audience. And that it was the discrepancy between that that I was like I have to understand this, right? I have to understand uh, how the design of this game uh, meshes with the appearance of this game to become something amazing, and uh, and so when I was playing it, I was the whole time I was playing it, I was like studying it, trying to figure out like why is this, why is this really good, you know, um, mm-hmm. despite despite the visual aspect not being what you would expect from a modern title. Yeah, I think the, the true skill, and I think the thing that maybe. Uh, Maybe the targeting is a little bit off on when it comes to this idea of, of playing games to get game design knowledge is that really the true skill is that you need to be able to articulate your own feelings about a thing and and the uh, and your own thoughts about how a thing works in a way that allows you to engage uh, collaboratively with other people as well as with yourself, whether it's in a form of writing or something like that. Uh, in order to do design at all, because design it's it's a sense, right? And you, you'll you'll see designers talk about this as they get better, which is I mean we have this now. Like you'll you'll play a game and you can feel it, you feel it, right? You're not thinking about it, you get a feel for it. So you're, you're developing this design sense about how games work, about what's good about them. Sometimes, like I I refer to it as being grabbed by the face. Whenever I play yes. a game that grabs me by the face, I'm like, yes. That's that's the time when yeah, you pick up a game and then 20 hours later you're like, oh. Ah! Yes. What <laughs> What happened? What happened? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's always what I'm looking for these days. Uh, it's something to just grab me by the face. And sometimes it takes a couple cracks at the same game, like Terraria for me, uh, or a different sort Kerbal Space Program. Yeah, yeah, same thing. For first time I played it, I did not like it at all. Yep. And, then and then you have to ask later. yourself the question, like, how come, how come I didn't like it back then versus now? What's the feeling? Being able to articulate thoughts and feelings uh, and then have a good enough understanding of, I think, how people work to to be able to bridge these things together, to be able to make something that makes someone else feel the way that you want them to feel. That's what design is. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and there's an interesting sort of angle on this too because if, if we're talking about you trying to infer sort of design principles based on your experience with the thing, uh, something that you have to do that's very difficult is when you are confronted with a thing that feels like a weird design decision – um, is to start with the assumption that there is a reason and then see if you can guess what it is, right? And so yeah. I think a, a good recent example of this is I was playing through the tutorial and uh, and be- because of some 
some unrelated bug. I had to replay the tutorial like three times in a row before I could finally be done with it. Very annoying. <laughs> very annoying. <laughs> and, and then as a consequence on my third playthrough, I just I noticed that I had all these like extra confirmation steps that I had to do. Like as a tutorial went, it would say, do this. And I would do that thing. And then it would have a little pop-up that was like, I did it, that you just had to like tap, you know? And uh, and so by the end of that, I was like really annoyed. I was like, why why do I have to do this? Why, why won't it just go away? Because it knows I did it, right? Um, and so I brought it up to to Sam and Seth, and they were like, oh yeah, we did that on purpose because uh, because by We've having tried that, it both ways. Yeah, because yep. by having yep. that confirmation up there so that the player starts to do something um, instead of just auto-advancing, then it causes them to... Uh, to kind of ignore it a little bit and then actually just do more stuff, like play around more in the editor before they finally they, go hit the button. Yeah. They get into more of an exploratory mode yeah. because they can rather than a driving finish the tutorial mode, right. which is not what building a fucking level is about. Yeah, and so, but this is the kind of thing that like in my scenario, because like I had a very particular experience with it, which was I was being agitated because I had to do it so many times because the first time I played it, I did not notice that you at all. You didn't even think about it. I didn't yeah. even think about it. But by the third time, I was like, why is this so inconvenient? By the third you time, know? you were just wanting to be done with it. Yeah. Which is a but, different frame of mind. Yeah, it's very different. <laughs> but even but, the, but to me, I was like, oh, this revealed something is how I thought of it, right? I was like, the the my sort of, my my frustration revealed sort of this underlying hitch that didn't need to be there. Uh, when what it actually did was revealed a intentional design principle that sort of I became an outlier for, for, for the experience, right? Um, and uh, and it, so it's actually really – I think it's, it's a very difficult and interesting exercise when it comes to playing games and trying to figure out why things are the way they are because what you're going to want to do just out of habit is be like, I don't like this. Here's why I think this is bad or here's why I think this is good. But what is much, much harder to do is to say there's – somebody thought about this and decided to do it this way. Um, why? Yeah, the question what, that, what the, purpose <laughs> could this serve, right? The question that always drives me up the wall is when when people ask uh, about something about like one of the games we made, and they frame it as like, "Is there any reason why?" And then like, right, this is some yeah, specific right. thing. Yeah, and the reason and like, is literally the entire rest of the game, right? Yeah, because yeah. like the design works as a massive interlocked system. Yeah, well, but there's another there's another like interesting angle on that too, which is um, which is the game didn't emerge in a in an infinite, t- infinite resource, infinite time, sort of like mm-hmm. parallel universe, it it was built out of constraints, right? Yeah. And so, so sometimes the reason is just we ran out of time. The yeah. dislike button. Yeah. 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 Why is, <laughs> why is there no dislike button? Ran out of time. Why? But is there's like, always a reason. There's always a reason for everything. Yeah. We know? just we just made it so that uh, you used to be able to search in the in the tower. You used to be able to search on three tags. You could be like, I want easy levels that are also battles that are also whatever. And after doing some of my uh, work trying to figure out how to optimize all the stuff on the server side, I realized that that wasn't scalable for searches. So I was like, we can only do one, right? And so now this is one of those things. You go into the interface and you have this like nice big panel that has like all these little options in it. And, f- and it feels like a place where you could pick multiple because that's what it was for, right? Yeah. But now you can and pick it, one. It, yeah. right? And it will come up like – on launch week, we'll get the question quite a lot. Like, is there some reason why I can't pick three tags? Yeah. Uh, and of, yes, there is, <laughs> there is yes. a reason. Um, and in this case, I mean, it's not a design one that we wanted. It was actually a technical constraint, right? That we had to that we had to satisfy. Yeah. Um, so there, so either it's that like it's a it's a design thing, it's a technical thing, it's a context thing. Like Sam was saying that you know the, the system that you're that you're looking at lives in a much broader game ecosystem. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
uh, you know, sometimes like a, a small change in one place uh, cascades over and dramatically changes the entire game experience just for mm-hmm. everybody, right? Yep. And it's, so it's all about that fine tuning and stuff. Um, yeah. So there's a, it, there's just a lot of nuance if you're going to go study a game and try to understand why it is the way it is. And I think it's a super fun exercise. And I, and I find myself doing this all the time when I'm playing stuff. And, and I'm always trying to guess like, oh, did they do this because they had to cut a corner? Or, you know, oh, did they do this because they're trying to change like my experience? Because like, one of the things that if you play, I mean, if you play any, so I was playing, I've been playing Control, uh, that new FPS kind of a yeah, game of the year. The Jillian winner, yeah. Um, and, and I noticed that for every, every single boss fight is actually pretty distant from, but not really distant, like maybe like 15 seconds distant from a save point. And often things spawn in between you and the boss fight, right? And, Trash mobs, we call those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. I know, like, <laughs> and, and I found it really aggravating, of course, cause I just want to get back to the boss and get back to the boss and, you know, keep on trying that fight. Um, but I know there's a reason for it. And I think, but I don't know what it is for sure, but like, I, I kept, I just find myself wondering, like, what? What was their intent here? Because they're probably pulling it off, right? Like the effect they're trying to have on me is probably happening, but I can't tell what it is. And all, yeah. and the only the only effect that I that I think I'm feeling is just annoyance that I have to like do that part again. But there's Here's probably the thing, like, a bigger goal that actually is being served mm-hmm. effectively. That that is a better that the trade off is worth it, right? It's just that maybe. I don't know what it is, and maybe not. It's not not necessarily. Uh, yeah, but. I mean, there there's an intent there, and maybe they're missing it. You know, yeah, it, yeah, it's hard to wrong. say. I mean, with level is wrong. Yeah, with Level has early access launch, we were like, we're going to lock all of the items behind the campaign progression so that you only see and engage with items uh, in the workshop that you have engaged with in the campaign because no one knows what the hell this game is. And the logic there is sound, perfectly fine. But, but people the hate overall, it. Yeah, the overall effect is not actually what you want at the end of the day, uh, yeah. which is for people to run away from the editor because it doesn't have everything in it. Even though we were like, well, they're not going to use it if it has everything in it. The alternate solution would be to build a fucking tutorial, which we did now, you know, right before yeah. launch. Uh, took a while. <laughs> took but a while. It, the point is like oftentimes there's, there's multiple solutions to get to whatever the intended outcome of your design is. And I think the thing that's so fascinating about whether it's just focusing on on game design uh, or whatever else, I, I feel like it can get too narrow. Like if you're only looking at, at games to learn – good design from them, then I think you're not, you're not going to be coming at this with a broad enough lens to be able to, to really, you need to look at the world. Yeah. Look at the world. Like, look, look at, at yourself. Everything you're doing. Look, look at, at the world. Yourself. Yeah. And then work on your skills and articulation. If you can't write, if you can't talk, I don't think you can design. I don't, I just don't. If you can't think clearly, you can't because yeah. it's all about being able to understand how you're feeling about something or how you want people to feel about it and then be able to make a thing that makes that happen. And you need to be able to put yourself in the shoes of, of the people who will be experiencing the thing. Cause if it's, if, if your game or anything you're designing is all about you and how you feel about it, then it's now made for that subset of your, the real world who is basically represented by you, which is mm-hmm. depending on who you are, uh, a pretty small subset, almost definitely. I feel like right? this is kind of, very much encapsulated in the kinds of things that we see from our uh, players in Levelhead who build levels. <laughs> yeah, because one of the one of the things that we found is that people who build their own levels, at the, at least when they first start building, they never put enough checkpoints in. Yep, nope. They never put enough checkpoints in because nobody gets frustrated by their own level because it's yeah, fun to build it because <laughs> it's theirs, right? But yeah. when you come into somebody else's level, you're immediately like, oh, God, what fresh hell has this person prepared for me? Mm-hmm. And you're ready to quit at a moment's notice because you can always just go to the next level. 
right? Yep. Um, and so the, the mindset of a player is so much different than the mindset of a creator. And it's learning, it's learning about how to take your, take yourself out of it. It's not about you. It's about the player, right? So, uh, yeah, so that's, I think that's probably, does it think that covers it? We got around it. It was extensive. (laughs) Yeah. I had, I had some other like super deep insight, uh, but I forgot it. (laughs) Actually there was, was there was, there was one interesting, um, note, which is, so part of it is like this breadth of experience and knowledge for myself. One of the things that was the most helpful in coming to understand game design was I, I was a very avid world of Warcraft player for many, many years before I started making games. And I, uh, voraciously read through the patch notes. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was always, I always knew every single little thing that was coming down the pipe. And I would try to guess like, What's that? What, like, hey, why? why? Like, why did that happen? Yep. And oftentimes, I I genuinely couldn't figure it out. Um, like, there'd be some class that was like doing really terribly, and then they would nerf it, and I'd be like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that was supposed to achieve. Um, sometimes I couldn't figure it out, but other times I could, and other times I would I would be able to guess. So, like, if there was some new um, new feature that they were adding, and I would think like, I bet that this is what this is what they intended, and I bet here's what the outcome is going to be from this mm. thing. So kind of like try to predict how these new features would affect the player base and then uh, going into the forums and see what people are saying and play the game yourself and experience it, you know, and, and see like, is this actually doing what you thought it was going to do? So, And that way you kind of get to like vicariously design the game in this sort of like, here's a feature, predict what it's going to what it's going to do to the player base. Yeah. And then you can watch it happen, right? You and yeah, you just get to see it. The patch comes out. Yeah. That's yeah, a really so good you, exercise. So you get to go through all of the, uh, the fun part of design without having to actually do the work yep. <laughs> yep. of making stuff. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running, which – is about to be a really big job, I think. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, prepare your bodies. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to everything. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.